Welcome to episode number 102 of the Tri-State Sports Beat. Yes, I know we're terrible. We haven't recorded in what seems like a week. And, it's all next fall. And yeah, it is always next fall. It's always next fall. Everyone knows that already. Well, welcome back, everybody. Just uh, Nick and Joe here. Scott is feeling a little under the weather, so he cannot join us today. Uh, Joe, how we doing? We're doing wonderful. Yeah, we're doing wonderful? For the most part. Even though we're, we're 0-8 I mean, on our, I mean, uh, our picks? Well, no, it, not even that. It's, I mean, national championship. I know. It's pretty It's pretty great. We've gotten a, I got to complain, though. I, after that last play we just saw, now that's all that's in my mind right now. It, third and 13 on your own four-yard line, you throw a screen pass. Are we Adam Gase? Or what, what's going on? That, I mean, it's a national championship game. I don't know. Is Adam Gase now calling the offense for, for LSU? Uh, I don't know. Joe Burrow incompetent. Oh, stop it. He's fantastic. He, <laughs> joking, he's great. joking. Joe, Joe Burrow is fantastic. Trevor Lawrence might be even better, but that's conversation for another day. All right, we have... A shit ton to talk about. Oh, Trevor's going deep. Oh, wow, incomplete. Anyway, Avoid we're gonna we're gonna be distracted quite a bit in this yeah. one, but we have a crap ton to talk about. This whole Astros thing, we'll get to. I'll get to in a second. The Giants hire a new head coach. We're gonna have opinions on that. Yankees, Mets, arbitration stuff, and everything Knicks and Nets. That's pretty much all we got. Uh, nothing Jets really. Besides that, Sam Darnold got some offseason thumb surgery, hand surgery, whatever. Um, nothing serious. He'll be fine. Uh, let's talk about this Astros thing. Um, Joe, you're not a baseball fan, but this whole situation I just explained to you before we started. Does the punishment fit the crime? And I'll and I'll go over it. Yeah. Of course, you know everyone knows. In case you're living under a rock, that the Houston Astros were uh, they were technically convicted of cheating, stealing signs, using the replay room, setting up a camera in center field. And then using the whole trash can thing, we all make fun of that, but, you know, that's how they did it. Um, the sanctions came down this afternoon, probably around like 2 o'clock this afternoon. Um, Astros manager A.J. Hinch and general manager Jeff uh, Lunau were suspended one year by Major League Baseball. Fi- and the Astros, as an organization, were fined $5 million. And their next two years of first and second round picks were taken away, so 2020 and 2021. Joe, as much as you know, does this does this punishment do you think fits the crime? I think it does. I mean, you're going to do that in a 
World Series game when especially winning play, especially winning no, not, the World Series that year. Yeah, I mean, I think if they lost, it would have been a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But because they did win, and because it was such a big deal that the Astros won that year, I think that the the punishment is absolutely it, it fits perfectly. Okay. And then the Astros took it a step further. They took it into their own hands. Their owner and president, his name escapes me right now, but fired A.J. Hinch and general manager Jeff Luthau. Um, you know, relieved them of their duties. They were no longer a part of the Houston Astros organization. I feel that is right. I don't feel like you can continue having people involved in this in your organization going forward, even though this was three years ago. It's still unacceptable, and believe me, you know, I'm not trying to sound like a biased Yankee fan here because they got screwed in 2017 and this past year, but they deserve what they get. I'm sorry. Um, But here's, like, the huge questions are, should the players be, uh, should they be suspended? Should they have, like, should they have anything done against them? It's a difficult thing to say because some players are now managers, a.k.a. Carlos Beltran of the Mets now, you know, was a player in 2017, won the World Series with them, um, apparently had a, pretty decent sized part in this um you know other players are playing with other organizations so it's not going to really affect the uh, it's not going to really affect the Astros it'll affect the other team that that player or you know whatever whoever plays for that team or players from that team are just retired now uh, Brian McCann longtime catcher for the Braves the Yankees and most recently the Astros retired probably two years ago when they won the World Series so that doesn't really matter but should the players that are you know are still there be suspended I mean that's up that's up to you to decide i don't really know what to think about it uh, i probably would have to go a little bit deeper into it but as far as aj hinch goes and the general manager i think it's all on alex cora alex cora was the bench coach for the astros in 2017 and then of course named red sox manager in 2018 when they won the world series manager of the year in 2018 and now it comes out that that the Red Sox were doing similar things in 2018, stealing signs, using technology. And, you know, this all falls on Alex Cora. He's looking at a hefty suspension, if not a lifetime ban. So, you know, and again, just because of the Red Sox, I mean, can I say, haha, yeah, at the Red Sox a little bit? Of course I can. But, you know, Alex Cora's future is really in question, considering what the Red Sox are, you know, Propose like propose that they have done in 2018 and what happened in 2017. So, I mean, and the thing with AJ Hinch is that you know he didn't do enough to stop it. He knew about it, but apparently he destroyed two monitors and you know trying to stop it. But you're the manager of the Houston Astros. If you don't want something done, you can put a stop to it just like yeah. that. The fact of the matter is Hinch, Luth, now they knew about it. How much they, how much the general manager really knew about it, I don't really know. But I know for a fact Hinch knew about it. It's his team. It's his clubhouse. He he knows what's going on. And if he wanted, if he wanted it, you know, if he wanted it gone, he could have said, "All right, Alex Cora, you're out of here." That's as simple as that. But the fact of the matter is, the Houston Astros cheated. I feel like the punishment fits the crime. Absolutely, uh, you know, absolutely, because Major League Baseball is going to make some kind of example out of this and take cheating out of the game. Because at this point. I mean, the unwritten rule is that stealing signs is technically not illegal in Major League Baseball. You know, you could do everything before the game, but during the game, using technology is a no-no. Yeah. 
stealing signs, I think, if you really have to do that anyway, then you just are not prepared to play a game, play a series. I, I don't know. That's that's what I think. But I feel like Major League Baseball did a fantastic job doing this. There is questions whether the players should be punished for this or not. I feel I think, this was fun. Again. I think the players should get like their rings taken away. and I, I think the championship yeah. should be washed. Well, it's... well. It's not well. Obviously, it's not going to be washed, but it's tainted. Twenty seventeen is now tainted, you know. Yeah. And again, I don't want to sound like the biased Yankee fan. They did beat they, you know, the Astros did beat the Yankees in the ALCS twenty seventeen. You know, again, I can laugh at them and say, you know, sucks to be you. Sorry, but you know, they're not just going to give it to the they're not going to give it to the Dodgers and say here, here's your World Series that you technically didn't win. In like take that away, like, give it to somebody else. I'm saying just take it away in general. Right. Like, take it out of the record books and it be done and over with. Like, just say that it yeah. never, just say that it never happened. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, it's, it's it's really honestly what you think. It, as a fan, I mean, it, I don't know. I feel like that doesn't really do anything, to be honest. I really just feel like punishment just has to be laid down and well, the thing you know, is, have it done. When when a team wins a championship, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, ice hockey, any of the major sports, you get your name written down in infamy, really. Yeah. And basically, you live forever mm-hmm. through that moment, through that time. Mm. If you take that away from them, that's like a real punishment in itself. But, I, I, to me, anyway. But at the me, same time, those players that played on the teams are, you know, they're still going to say, "Yeah, we won the World Series in 2017." Prove it. But, well, if it's, I guess if you're right, if it's not on paper, then, but for the people who saw it, like, we saw them win the World yeah. Series in 2017. Yeah. You know, but 20, 30 years from now. And then that's probably, then there's your different story. Yeah. But I'm talking about right now in the immediate future in the next five years. Like, yeah. We know, well, yeah, we know that they won whether they cheated or not. So, I mean, that's really it in the, on the Astros thing. I don't want to spend too much time on it. Everybody knows what's going on. Um, I feel it's a fair punishment. I feel the Astros are stupid. They're just <clears throat> blatant cheaters. And apparently with the teams I root for, they always get affected by this. The Yankees get affected by this, not not going to the World Series. Whether they would have went to the World Series in 2017 or not, doesn't matter. You know, the Jets get screwed with Spygate and everything else with the Patriots. We have just fantastic luck here. It's 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 really just something. Um, Quink Yankee Mets stuff before we move on to the big news of the whole week. Um... Yankees avoid arbitration with Luis Sessa, Chad Green, Jonathan Holder, Aaron Judge gets a nice raise, $8.5 million for a year. Tommy Canely, uh, Jordan Montgomery, Jordan uh, James Paxton, Gary Sanchez, and Gio Urshela. The Mets avoid arbitration with Stroman, Syndergaard, Conforto, Edwin Diaz, Mats, Jake Marisnik, Nimmo, Lugo, and Gaselman. And the Yankees also signed Brett Gardner to a one-year deal. So that's really it concerning baseball. Let's move on to the New York football giants i said my little bit of jets news oh well they hired a head coach it was not matt rule no it was patriots special teams and wide receivers coach joe judge let's get this straight matt rule off the board rather quick yes um who else was out there uh mccarthy had been hired already mccarthy yep Hired by Dallas. Dallas, and what was the other? One? Uh, Rivera was already. Um, yeah. 
They did interview Don Martindale, the defensive coordinator of the Ravens, Eric Bieniemy as well, the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs. Which still bothers me why he didn't, you know. That's know. Uh, that's a whole Rooney Rule thing. I mean, that's I mean that has to do with that. I don't want to discuss that. No, you know, not even that. that. No, not is. even that. Just like touchdown, Clemson. Like I don't, I just don't understand how he was taken off their board so quickly. Well, I mean, you have all off season. Yeah, you want to get your coach in there, but they can't do anything with you right now, anyway. With well, your players right now, anyway. That's true, but. At the same time, you can make the argument he's only called plays for two years. He's very new to the play calling thing. You can make that argument certainly, but the enemy did. They were they've been a top five offense for those past two years. Mm-hmm. So there's your. I mean, the whole Rooney Rule thing. I, they also have man. a very spe- two very special players on that offense. They do front. absolutely. At least, you could say at, three, you could I, say I, three yeah, or I was four. Say honestly, at, le- at least two like big name mm-hmm. players. Yeah. Um. So the Giants. This whole thing, how it went down, I forget. I forget what day it was, but around like ten o'clock, you know, you hear that, you know, it's supposed to be a given. All right, Matt Rule, you know, gonna go interview with the Giants and whatever. He's coming to New Jersey to come interview with the Giants, and then all of a sudden, on Twitter blows up. Matt Rule, you know, is you know talking with the Panthers, and then it's confirmed that he's going there on a seven-year contract for sixty million dollars or whatever. I was really like I was yeah I, I was, was surprised like that would like good on Carolina like no leaks no nothing Carolina David Tepper uh-huh. and their ownership they went to Waco they flew to Waco which is really a mistake if the Giants really wanted Matt Rule they shouldn't have waited they should have they should have been in Waco like I heard the whole story in Matt Rule's press conference that they went that Tepper and the Carolina Panthers you know ownership groups or whatever they went to. They were at Rule's house when he came back from Mexico. They helped them unpack his bags Jeez. at home. I didn't, you know, know that. Yeah. and they helped his wife and stuff in the house. And then they basically were like, "All right, here's your seven-year contract. Will you sign this now?" So Carolina, I'm strategic, yes, class act. strategic class and classy, <laughs> yes, but also like pinched Matt Rule into a corner a little bit. At the same time, there are also there are also reports that came out that Rule did call the Giants and was like, "Hey, can you match this?" And there was no way the Giants were giving Matt Rule seven years like that. You could just take that off the board. That was not happening. My initial thoughts to that that whole thing was just surprising. And then, not even an hour later, mm-hmm. the Giants hired Joe Judge, and everyone's like, "I'll quote I'll quote our friend Louis Two Steps. Who the hell is Joe Judge?" I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I thought of Joe Judge as a guy that was brought in just to bring in, like just to see what you got. It's like an instant kind of head coach, pretty pretty much situation. So I was actually sitting in IHOP with Scott, and we get this news, and we're like, "What did they just do?" <laughs> my initial thought, and still my opinion now, I really truly believe the Giants panicked. When rule was stolen from them. I think John Mara, Steve Tisch, I think they waited way too long. And they sat on their hands and were like... Because also I heard that they wanted to bring in Mike McCarthy for a second interview. They wanted to bring in... uh, You know, they wanted to bring in all these guys for a second interview. But... They all got picked up. McCarthy got scooped up by Jerry and his pajamas in, in, in Dallas. And... You know, honestly, I think Mike McCarthy was the number one guy for the Giants. You know, 
I thought he was the number one guy for the Jets last year. Obviously, the New York teams don't want anything to do with Mike McCarthy, which is absolutely astonishing to me. Still don't understand it. I think he's going to be great in Dallas. But I still think the Giants panicked and were like, crap, we lost out on Matt Rule. We lost out on Mike McCarthy. What now? So they go and hire a special teams coordinator and the wide receivers coach of probably the worst wide receiving core in the NFL this year. Joe Judge. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I have to reel you back in on that one because I don't think it's the worst wide receiving oh, core. Oh, it's pretty bad. You you would think. It's pretty Name-wise, you would think. But it's see pretty what, bad. See what they were able to do with those no-name guys. It's Tom Brady. It's it's Tom Brady, but his receivers have to run routes. Okay, that okay. I'm just trying saying, to make a point. I'm just I'm just saying. Like I don't I don't I'm not going to sit here and say that it was the worst wide receiving core because I think there are a few teams, Cincinnati, that might be a little worse because oh. of the no AJ Green situation. Okay, but I think you don't like John I, Ross then. Well, John Ross was John Ross. Yeah, he was. He didn't play all season. But, um, you don't like Tyler Boyd? Tyler Boyd's pretty good. Tyler Boyd can't do it all by himself. You're right. But anyway, we're going to get back to Joe Judge. Okay. I, I, at first, I did think they panicked. I, I, right. I talked to you about it. Right. Absolute panic. I watched the the interview, his in, intro interview, or whatever you'd like to call it, whatever it's called. Um, and the Giants said that they impressed him so well in the, the interview. interview. That that press conference impressed me. I was actually oh yeah, we'll get very, to the we'll get to the press. Conference, I was very yes. impressed. So we'll I get... don't know. I don't know if I'm I'm leaning towards the whole story of them panicking, and this is why they picked this guy, mm-hmm. or if they truly heard something in that interview that really sparked this whole hiring process so quickly. Right. Okay. I understand what you're saying, and we're going to talk about the press conference mm. in a second. But th- this was my initial thought when I heard when I saw the name yeah, Joe Judge yeah. across my screen. I was like, they I, panicked. You I know, was like, you know, I saw it. The funny thing is, I saw I was at work. I saw it pop up on my screen, and all I saw was Judge. I thought they were talking about the Yankees. I thought it was <laughs> a notification about the Yankees. Of course. And I was like, oh, I don't need to read that. Put it down. Started getting Bleacher Report yep. and all this other yep. stuff. I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait. I went back to the, the mm. tweet and I saw it was Joe Judge. Right. Um, oh, who, who's Joe Judge? Yeah. So, again, initially I thought like the Giants panicked, and I really thought Joe Judge, like the Giant, like Marin Tish said and Gettleman said, we love this guy, really impressed us. You know, at first I didn't buy it. At first yeah. I was like, I guarantee you this guy was like very, not very low on their list, but not one of their top, top candidates that they wanted. So that's why I'm like, all right, they're reaching a little bit. They're trying to get the fan base to buy in. I get it. That's fine. Uh, here, are quite like, here are some questions. And also, you know, they did say about Joe Judge's interview, what you just said before, Joe, mm-hmm. that you know they were really impressed by him. They also said the same thing about Don Martindale, who's a very good defensive coordinator, and I think would have been maybe a better name as far you know as far as a big name goes. It would have been better for the Giants, but they went with Joe Judge ultimately. So now I have a question for you before we move on to the Joe Judge press conference, which we were both blown away by at the end of the day. Did they make a mistake letting Mike McCarthy walk and go to Dallas? Um, I, honestly, I don't think so. I think from 
from me being able to assess like the whole Mike McCarthy thing from last year with the Jets, um, with Green Bay saying that his playbook was getting kind of stale, um, it might ultimately be a good thing for for the Giants. Now I know Giants are like that old school type mm-hmm. mentality, but they have to look at the times of the league. The league is changing and and it's going it's it's moving forward. It's moving past certain aspects of playbooks. Whether those things got Mike McCarthy to the Super Bowl or not in 20, it, it, 2012, but yeah, but what I'm trying to say is like teams are used to those types of things now. So it, I think it just might end up being a better thing for the Giants and the Jets to keep that where it's at and, and try to move on from But also, him. Mike McCarthy's also had a year to develop an offense, a better offense, a more modern-day Yeah, but do you, I mean, do you really think that that's the reason why Mike McCarthy well, well, took the year off? We'll see what happens. Well, now, yeah, absolutely, now we will. We'll see what happens. Um, the also interesting thing is about the Mike McCarthy thing is he wanted control over the roster. Mm-hmm. He takes the job in Dallas <laughs> where he knows damn well he's not getting any control over that yeah. roster. Like, he'll get say, like, whatever. That's Jerry's team, though. Like, that's that's all up to Jerry. See, that's, like, that's the that's one thing, weird, like... I don't know how much I believe of him wanting so much control of a team. I mean, it could be different now because he's coming back right. after a year of rest. Right. So maybe he doesn't really want or need that control anymore. Yes. Maybe that's the deal that they cut. Mm. But I, I like from even from the beginning last year when when the Jets uh, had him in for an interview. I think they had him in for two. Yeah, but uh, again, that was an issue where the Jets didn't want to give him control over the roster. They yeah, didn't. but I mean, we this Also, weird... this is the same this is the same, you know, y- you know same organization. This is the same organization that said, "Matt Rule, you cannot pick your own coaching staff. We're going to pick your coaching staff for you." Yeah. So, let's I don't know. I think the whole thing is mostly because of the the stale yeah, that has, that has more to do with it than anything. Yeah, I'm I really pretty do confident believe saying that. that. Um, let's talk about this Joe Judge press conference because, like, I'm not even a Giant fan. I wanted to run, th- run through a freaking wall yeah. for this guy. Yeah. So, you know, Giants fans are going in, you know, optimistic. You know, our buddy Louis Two Steps, our new uh, our new partner here at the Tri-State Sports Beat, you know, very passionate Giant fan. If you haven't listened to his takes already, you know, very passionate Giant fan, very passionate Yankee fan. Um, he's like, who the hell is Joe Judge? Who the heck's this guy? Not gonna do nothing. Watches, I you know, I watch this press conference, and here's what I took away, and we'll go through this one by one. He wants to bring an old school physical mentality, and Classic he wants, and he wants to be fundamentally sound. Everything comes from fundamentals. Oh my goodness, that's like a breath of fresh air, because all these coaches nowadays are. Let's be innovative. Let's be the future of football, a.k.a. Adam freaking Gase and Christopher Johnson. Sorry, I don't mean to do this. It just happens. Sorry. But he wants to be strong fundamentally, and that's exactly where you have to start when you're a new head coach. It's exactly where you need to start, especially with a young team, with a defense that is in shambles, and a young rookie quarterback. 
he said this as well. Bring He wants to bring a New York mentality, which means like blue-collar, hardworking. He wants this team to be... To represent, you know, to represent the, the city. city. Yeah. Right. You know, it's hard to do when there's two teams in town, but I'll give it to him. I'll give it to him. That's great. You know, hardworking, never-say-die attitude, stuff like that. He will take the time necessary to put a quality staff around him. That, I think, is more important... I took that away as one of the most important things that he said, you know, because, again, a young head coach, he's never done it before. I think this guy is going to have, you know, he's going to have an offensive coordinator. He's going to have a defensive coordinator. You know, he's not he's not one of these gurus. No, he's not he's a not defensive call, guru yeah, no, or an offensive the, guru. He's the head coach. Yeah. Which is what I kind of like. I like that's, that more. Yeah, that's kind of fresh, you know. It's old school, which is good. You know, he wants to bring that old school mentality, wants to hit you in the mouth. and But he's not going to try and assume all these play-calling duties that he knows nothing about. So he wants to bring in veteran guys. He wants to bring in people that knows what he's doing, knows what they're doing, um, and have them call the offense, call the defense, and, and do whatever. He's going to be the head coach, and he's going to do it the traditional way, which is actually pretty good to hear oh. considering we have all these head coaches now you're your adam gases your matt lafleur's um your matt Nagy's, who are offensive guys but like to call their own plays now question for you here yes do you think this press conference showed judge as a typical belichickian disciple i don't um, like coach no, because you see, you no. see Patricia. You see what's there was a there's one other one. Brian Flores. Bla- Brian Flores. There's a lot. There's a bunch. Do you see? Do you see this as like so far as a typical Belichickian? I think it's way too soon to even to even know. From the press conference, yes, he's obviously been to the Belichick school of press conferences. Okay. So and now, also he worked under Nick Saban, so you know you got to give him that too. He's worked under the greatest college football coach ever. And now, probably the best professional football coach ever. Were you going to ask me something? No, I was just going to say, so, I mean, could this just be all talk and no do? Well, from... we have to, I mean, you have to see what happens. I mean, Because I feel, I just feel like everybody gets so excited that somebody leaves Belichick Goes to their own team as a head coach of well, his own, think, their own team, and I think they now, completely flop. I think now everyone's scared of Belichick disciples because they all don't do well. You can make the argument that the best Belichick disciple is Bill O'Brien, head coach of the Houston oh, yeah. Texans, and they're a consistent team that gets to the playoffs every year, but in the divisional round or the wild card round, they can't finish. They can't finish. Now, Bill O'Brien's a good head coach, but that's another example of an offensive guy, offensive head coach that calls his own plays. Now, I don't. Now it can work. There's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, the Rams did it. They didn't win the Super Bowl last year, but the Rams do it. Sean McVay does it. Uh-huh. You know, it can work. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it can't. But it's nice to see the traditional. I'm the head coach. You're my offensive coordinator. You're my defensive coordinator. You know, he's not going to try and be. He's not going to do again. Sorry to bring the Jets up into this. But they're not going to pull, okay, Adam Gase is the head coach, but he's the head coach of the offense and the whole team, and Greg Williams, you're the defense, you're the, you're the head coach of the defense. No, that's not how it works. You have one head coach and the rest of your staff around you. So that's what I kind of like about this. But I feel like Joe Judge is going to bring in a good staff, knowledgeable people, 
He's been around two very knowledgeable head coaches, probably the smartest head coaches in the history of the game. He's going to have good connections and bring some guys in here. You know, again, we may not know any of these guys, but maybe eventually we will. See if they pan out. You might get the next Julian Edelman. There may be a <laughs> there may be a Joe Judge coaching tree for all we know. Come 10, 15 years from now. Who knows? Um other things he will be involved in all phases of the game, like I said before. You know, offense, defense, special teams, he'll have input on everything, which, again, is what you want to see in your head coach. Um, he's thankful for his learning, his, you know, being under Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, but he's going to be his own guy. He's not going to try and be Bill Belichick. He's not going to try and be Nick Saban, and I think that's what Belichick disciples more likely try and do. Like, Nick Saban, Nick Saban's a Belichick disciple as well, but, you can, I mean... Outside of the pro ranks, he's the most successful Belichick disciple. Yeah. I mean, he's the head coach of yeah. Alabama. They've won 100 national titles. But he couldn't work out in the pros. He didn't work out in Miami when he was the head coach. Um, And this is another thing. And, again, another huge breath of fresh air. He only cares about a winning culture. Mm-hmm. How great. If you're a Giant fan, I'm like, here we go. I'm sucked in. I'm ready to go. The biggest thing I got out of this, and other than this, other than the stuff that you mentioned, was that he's going to find the strengths in his players. Yes. Play to the strengths of his players. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that not many of the Belichick coaching tree um, coaches mm-hmm. that go on to be Belichick head coaches. Cycles. Yeah. I wanted to try to change the word, yeah, up, but that didn't work. Um, that is what they are. <laughs> but like they, I don't think that they've really caught on to that because you see that with Belichick. Yeah. Belichick, Brady is getting older. He knows that. Brady is starting to throw shorter passes. He can't throw deep anymore. No, that who's the deep threat on New England? They haven't had a deep threat since Randy Moss. Uh, That's ten years ago. Because they probably don't, twelve years ago. Because if they can't get it to him, then what's the good to have one? Exactly. That's why Julian Edelman made such a big name for himself. Right. And so, he was like the heir apparent to Wes Welker. Pretty yeah, much. Yeah. So You can make the argument that Wes that Julian Edelman's far and away better than Wes Welker. Uh, I make that argument. It, it's a Super Bowl MVP. Argument. It's a valid he's, argument. He's fantastic. Um, Even though he jumps on cars and gets arrested and caught on TMZ. Yeah. That's fine. Again, we'll laugh at you, haha. That's what we get. <laughs> but um, that's what we have. I I was really really impressed by by that comment and that part of his uh, uh his press conference. Mm. I I really enjoyed that part only because I don't think many coaches. I think many coaches have a game plan going in mm-hmm. and won't change it based on who they have. They'll go out and change their players instead of changing their scheme to their players. Right. Right. So I I really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so overall thoughts about Joe Judge? I mean, we don't know anything right now. He hasn't coached. On, he hasn't coached one game. Based yet. on press conference, I give him an A plus. Yes, uh, he absolutely. won the. That's the when you start when you're a new head coach in this town. You know, that's the first step. Win, first impression. Win the is press everything. conference. First, win the press conference. Win the fans over. First impression in New York is everything. A one. And as far as I know right now, he has put somewhat of a staff together. I'm going to try and pull this up. But here's a big question. Is Joe Judge going to be able to 
put, I want you to answer this as thoroughly as you can. Is Joe Judge going to be able to put this staff, specifically the offensive staff, is he going to be able to build an offensive staff that's good enough and that the Giant fans and ownership are going to be confident in to develop Daniel Jones? Because that's, no, that's priority number one. Yeah, I think that some offensive coordinators or people that he even brings up as a new offensive coordinator might be intrigued by this position and might kind of draw to this position because it is an undiscovered talent, really, mm-hmm. in Daniel Jones. And he's still... if This is really the guy that they think could be their franchise. He's somebody that everybody slept on. Right. And still are. Yeah. Here is the updated coaching staff for Joe Judge this far. And the most important one is the quarterback's coach. That is uh, Jerry Stablinski. Don't know who that is, but, you know, they're going to have a quarterback's coach and they're going to have an offensive coordinator. So that's how it's going to work. Wide receivers coach Tyke Tolbert. They have named their defensive coordinator from the Miami Dolphins. So from Brian Flores' staff. Patrick Graham from the Dolphins. That is their defensive coordinator. Freddie Roach is their defensive line coach, and their special teams coordinator is Thomas uh, McGlawney. Yeah. Here's another interesting thing. Joe Judge has... He had a relationship with Freddie Kitchens at their days in Mississippi State when he was a... When Joe Judge was a GA at Mississippi State under, uh, under a coaching staff there. Is Freddie Kitchens really a good idea? I, for an no. offensive coordinator, um, he has maybe a half a year as offensive coordinator experience. Uh, no, 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 no. I don't like. Trust, would you like if you're a no. Giants fan? Would you really trust Freddie no. Kitchens with Daniel Jones? No. Even as a role in like on the offensive staff, it doesn't no. have to be a coordinator. It doesn't have. It could be an assistant. Mm. No. No. Not feeling that. No. Not really feeling that. Um. Another interesting name is Pepper Johnson, former New York Giants legend, Super Bowl champion. He was with the, you know, he was a coaching assistant with the Jets for a couple years. Um, also, an interesting thing they have named the defensive coordinator already in Patrick Graham, but could be a name to watch out for for a assistant spot on the defensive side. So overall, I'm very impressed with Joe Judge. Didn't know a damn thing about him when he got hired, but the press conference, I was blown away. I wanted to run through a wall. I would rather take him over Adam Gase because he's a first-time head coach in something new. Uh, it's the last time I'll mention Adam Gase this whole time, apparently, because I rant a lot about him. I didn't notice this until somebody said something to me the other day. Oh, yeah. And apparently I have road rage, which I don't understand either. Yeah, you but do. Yeah, you do. That's the two things in life, road rage and I vent about Adam Gase. Well, I rant about Adam Gase. But I'm overall very impressed and with Jim the guy. Dolan. And Jim Dolan. Yeah. Oh. oh. Anyway. Anyway. We'll talk, we'll talk Knicks in a bit. But I'm overall impressed with Joe Judge. Again, he's going to put his whole staff together. We're going to see what happens with co- collaboration with him and Dave Gettleman, which is another interesting you know thing that's that you know that's going to partake. But overall, I think Giant fans should feel pretty good. And Joe Burrow needs to learn how to slide. Otherwise, he's going to have his head taken off. Anyway, I'm impressed with him. Last thoughts before we take a break. Uh, no, I think you hit it. On the head, yeah. you hit the nail on the head. I think, it, like I said before, A plus to Joe Judge. Uh, 
I hope, I hope everything uh, really works out for the Giants. I mean, we get to cover them, so it's obviously a lot of fun when they're winning. Oh. A lot less fun when they're losing. But I, I am interested to see if, like you said, the Belichick disciple is very successful. Because this will be one of the more successful ones, if if any. We'll see. I mean, any. it's going to take time. And that's another thing. Giants fans have got to be patient with this guy. First time head coach. Yeah. Give him more than two years. Give him a third. In the, I mean, if it, and things really go bad, and maybe after a third year, maybe he's gone. But give him a chance. Give him a real chance here. It's not like he's a certain failed head coach that was somewhere else and is now with the no, team. No names mentioned. No names mentioned. He just maybe is the head coach of the team, the other team that plays in your stadium. Anyway, we're going to break real quick. We come back. Knicks, Nets, the Week in Review, and I'll rant a little bit about the Knicks. There's not much to rant about. I gotta rant a little bit about the starting lineup, though. Uh, Joe, maybe we'll talk about hockey. Who knows? Um, do I got anything else? I don't really have anything else. Oh, we'll do NFL divisional uh, divisional round recap. Ton of crazy crap happening in the sure. NFL playoffs this year. My God, uh, I don't even know what to do with this. That's an understatement. That is definitely an understatement. We'll do that when we come back. You're listening to Tri-State Sports Beat. Do not go anywhere. We'll be right back. And we're back from our extended break. Nicholas was on a Adam Gase rant they didn't, as we they were, didn't, when we were on break. They didn't so need to know we that. had we had to finish that up, uh, just so you guys didn't hear it. Foul language was present. Foul language. <clears throat> anyway, I never curse. So let's let's continue <laughs> the roll with the the football theme. Uh, divisional weekend was this weekend. Our first slate of games on uh, this past Saturday consisted of the Vikings and the 49ers. Let's start and with then, that. Let's start with let's start with that. Game. And then the Titans and the Ravens. We'll start with the Vikings and the 49ers because Nick wanted to so bad. Can 49ers. we can we just appreciate how freaking good this defense is? 49ers? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I know Kirk Cousins doesn't get it done in the big games and you I know, told you whatever. Salah. Yeah, I know Salah. I know. He's good. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying, you know, but he's not getting any. I'm surprised. He's not getting a job this year. I'm surprised he's not getting more offers than. He was in the position for the Browns job, but you know what the Browns decided to do? They were like, whoever's going to lose the San Francisco Vikings game, we're just going <laughs> to take the loser so we get him, we, so we get them earlier. And that's what ended up happening because they hired Kevin Stefanski as our head coach. Not to say Kevin Stefanski is not a good, gonna not going to be a good bad, head coach. But... He's a very, he's a good offensive coordinator, but this defense is outstanding. They, yeah. Like, Kirk Cousins could not do a damn thing. And it didn't help that the offensive line was just horrible, but I can't even fully blame the offensive line because when you have Nick Bosa, uh, DeForest Buckner, and Solomon Thomas, like, among other things, Quan Alexander, what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? And, you know, it was great. I was off to a great start on my bets. Uh, the Niners covered soundly. It was great. It was fantastic. Nick I expected I expected nothing more from the San Francisco 49ers. Nick Bosa had two ta- uh, two sacks. Solomon I think they Thomas sacked. Sack. I think they sacked Cousins five times, five or six times. I'm pretty sure. Six. And and the offense. Look, if the Niners make the Super Bowl, the reason they won't win is because I don't think Jimmy G can make the big plays in the big moments. Yeah. Absolutely. But again, Jimmy G did what he had to do. He made a mistake in the beginning, threw a pick, wasn't a fantastic throw. But 
if the Niners do make the Super Bowl, I'll tell this now. I'll go this on. I'll put this on the record. If the Niners make the Super Bowl, the only reason they don't win is because Jimmy Garoppolo cannot make the big plays for them to win. He cannot win the game for them. Is basically what I'm saying. But the the Vikings were just they. I think they got a little lucky off that non-call in New Orleans the week before. Say what you want. It. I think they pushed off a little bit. But again, we didn't want any controversy going into the playoffs, so the NFL just decided against it. The referees decided to have a to not call it, which I mean, whatever, it's fine. But going into this game, the Vikings were just no match. They no. they just again. And going back to that defense yeah, that San Francisco fantastic. had, they only let up 147 total yards. Yeah, 21 of them coming on the ground. I mean, they took away they took away Minnesota's run game, and that's Dalvin Cook. We're yeah, talking they about. took they Cook took away the run play. game. If there if there was no run game, you know, available for Minnesota, they could put anybody in there. They could put Barry Sanders back there. If you know, it's it just wouldn't have worked. It would not have worked. Yeah, I think, and the the uh, defense on third downs was just impeccable. The, Minnesota was only able to get third sixteen percent uh, in third down conversion. And if you have to like if That's you have to, if you have to rely on Kirk Cousins to win you games, the Vikings yeah, are not, not gonna get the Vikings are not gonna get far. He's not I like I I like Kirk Cousins. He's not elite. He's not he's not elite. Not at all. Um anything else you want to add in this game? No. I think no well we'll we'll talk about the conference title games later. Yeah, okay. Um so moving on to the other Saturday slate, Titans and Ravens. Shocker. Shocker. I think everybody is mostly shocked on about this Man, game. Yeah, the Ravens really screwed me. I think they may have screwed a lot of people. Um, but the Titans are looking amazing I, right now. Their ground game more so than anything else. I think Derrick Henry's had the most yards in NFL history through two playoff games. Pretty sure. I Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure I heard that somewhere. What was it? The most rushing yards in the first two playoff games. He's got it's the most. Probably, I don't know. It's pretty close probably. because he's freaking phenomenal. I mean, in the last, in the last, in the last three consecutive games, Derrick Henry has had 180 plus yards. Yeah, something like that. So, but to go back the week before too, to go up to New England. Okay, New England was had weren't they weren't the team that they have been, but they're still New England. Ah. Uh. And the fact that they just ran all over this defense, who was solid all year long. They started the year out number one defense for the first, like, five, six weeks of the season. And they just do that? The Titans just do that? Like, and they made, and they made, and like, Tom Brady didn't have a bad game, but they just made him look like an ordinary quarterback. Yeah. They made him look like, yeah, they made him look ordinary. And again, I'm going to say this a lot as long as we talk about the Titans. Ryan Tannehill is fine. He's he's, <coughs> he's pulling, doing a lot better than he was in he's Miami pulling, for multiple reasons. <laughs> for multiple reasons, not just coaching. I think he's just he's got better assets around, yeah. better weapons around him. Ryan Tannehill is pulling a Brad Johnson, a Jeff Garcia, and a Rich Gannon. He's a he's fine. Like and whether and the remember, Titans yeah. go to the Super Bowl and win, I mean, a lot of people are going on that train right now. I don't know. I think the Titans are good. Their defense, I got to tell you, I'll be the first one. Their defense, I did not expect that. No. Like, these past two games, I know their defense has been pretty good, but I didn't think it was this good. And they made the Patriots, and they made the Ravens look one-dimensional. 
three turnovers for their defense. Sacks were just. I think they have. Here's, what, three, here's four the thing sacks. about, but Mike Vrabel had them just so ready to play. <coughs> you go into Baltimore against the fourteen and two Ravens, against the MVP of the league probably, and you go in there and you make Lamar Jackson look like he's a freshman in college. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. nobody's been able to do that all year. Nobody's been able to do that. But is it typical, like, one seed in the AFC to blow the friggin' to blow the game to a six seed wild card team? It's happened. The last time it happened, 2010, Jets Patriots. Hello, yeah. how you doing? But the Titans are deserving. I'll give it to them. They're deserving. Baltimore did nothing to help themselves. Nothing. They Lamar Jackson, I think, threw the ball close to sixty times. When you have a guy that's so, 59. when you have a guy that's so unique, and you know, again, he didn't break for huge runs or anything. But when you have a guy of that skill set, so unique, a guy that uh, something we haven't seen since Michael Vick, you got to use that. The fact that Lamar Jackson throwing outside the numbers, which is something he cannot do, it's something he can't do. Well, okay, you say that they need to use him more in the run game, but I think the Titans played so well against the run game that he had to. And granted, he threw for 365 yards. Right. Yes, like you said earlier, Mm -hmm. close to 60 passes. Right. 31 of them complete. He also ran for 143 yards on 20 attempts. So they, they were still using him in the run game. It's just he couldn't... the. Titans were just too good. The, the Titans, Titans defense was just they knew he yeah, was going to run. The Titans front seven was ready to play. Mike Vrabel had these guys ready to play, no doubt. Um again, AFC title game against why do why am I drawing a blank they're gonna play? They're playing uh, the Titans? Yeah. Titans are playing the Chiefs. Yeah, they're playing yeah, sorry, yeah. We'll get to the Chiefs too. Uh, against the Chiefs, I don't know if that's gonna work, you know, come next Sunday, but I mean you gotta give him a chance at least. Uh, I mean, beating the Patriots and 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 Baltimore back to back weeks, you gotta give him a shot. I'll give him a shot, but I don't well, know. you, I think the Titans played against one of the better air teams in the Patriots. Yeah, they played against one of the better teams, probably the best team in the best run game, team. other other than their self. Yeah, in Derrick Henry. Yeah, other than themselves in the Ravens. Now you're going up against Patrick Mahomes, who can throw the deep ball. Throw the short ball, throw the uh, intermediate ball, and he can run. Mm. He can do everything, and he's got weapons to complement him. Yes, that that is absolutely true. And I think out of the three of uh, out of the three, the the Chiefs, the Ravens, and um, and the Patriots, mm-hmm. I think the Chiefs' defense might be the team to contain. I want to say contain right. Derrick Henry a little bit better. Not stop him because mm-hmm. I thought I still think he's going to be able to run for huge amount of yardage. I think he'll run for over a hundred yards. Over a hundred. I don't know if he'll hit that hundred and eighty no. mark again. Yeah, it would be really impressive if he does. And I'm not going to put anything past him, but I think they can hold him to hundred. As, as long as the tight, as long as the Titans run the ball down Kansas City's throat, as long as they don't. As long as Kansas City doesn't force Ryan Tannehill to win them the game, they'll be fine. I don't know if they'll win, but they'll, you know, I'll give them a chance. Like I said, next game, 
Next game is the Texans and Chiefs game. Wow. What a back-and-forth game this was super early. Wow. First quarter, the Texans scored 24 points. I was sitting right in this chair right here. I believe it was 24 nothing. Right? Yes, it was 24 nothing. I was sitting right in this chair, and I was like, this is really going to happen to the Chiefs. Like, we're really going to get a Titans-Texans yeah. AFC title game. Yeah. And you know what? I was like, there's no way this is going to happen. I go, if there's any team that can come back from 24 nothing down in the first quarter, mind you, it's Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City Chiefs. And the fact that they scored 41 unanswered points. Wow. Like... If you're the Texans' defensive coordinator, if you're Romeo Romeo Cornell, you put your hands up and you just go, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, you go up to Bill O'Brien, you're like, I, both, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what to do. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's it's Damian Williams. Dandy, like, wow. And, it you, was, and you know what was funny, was though? I had full confidence that the Chiefs were going to come back and win. In, not, full confidence. In this, in this fashion? Full confidence. 51 to 30. Well, not to put up 41 unanswered points, but to come back and win, I had full confidence in that. It was... You never doubt Patrick Mahomes. Never. It was an insane game never. from start to finish. I, I really, I thought they were done. I and was I'm like, like... I was like, the Patriots are... I the feel Ravens bad. I, I had the Seahawks still because the Seahawks were in that last game, but... I feel bad for the Texans. I feel bad for Deshaun Watson. But like uh, yeah, he played really like well. A twenty four nothing lead. He's still he's still wow. gonna be a huge part in the future of this this. The Texans uh, are cursed. They lose in the middle rounds of the playoffs every single year. They they have a pretty good regular season, especially last year when they won like seven straight games. Mm-hmm. You know, this year they kinda stumbled to the finish line. But you know, they beat the Bills at home. All right. I mean, the Bills kind of beat themselves, I guess you could say. But then they go up against Kansas City. You put up 24 freaking points. And then you let Patrick Mahomes come back in the game like that. Like, wow. Can we can we talk about how the special teams affected this game, too? <laughs> because I think this was the most entertaining special teams if you like that I've special seen teams, all season in, in the past three, four years, probably. Yeah. There was a blocked punt. Return for a touchdown. Return for a touchdown. A fake punt. Which, that that was the turning point of the game. It was. A yard short. Because I was thinking that, that, think is that was a, at the end of the first quarter. That is a ballsy call, and that is what ignited the Chiefs to go off yeah. for 41 freaking points. That, there was... I heard uh, that over the radio, 50, and I was like, this is going to be the turning point. This I, is it. I believe there was a 53-yard return... I think it was 50. It was 50-plus yard return. Mm. And there was one other special teams play. That it was escaping my, my mind. Special right teams now. are the reason why the Chiefs came back and won. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. It, it's nuts. It's crazy. And you could say, too, that special teams obviously helped the Texans, you know, go up 24 nothing. You know, but the a- I've never heard Arrowhead Stadium so quiet on TV before. It's usually one of the loudest stadiums mm-hmm. in the NFL. But... To win, it, it, I think everybody was just in shock. But to be down by twenty four points and then end up winning the game by twenty, that doesn't happen. 
does not happen. Does not happen. I think they were the first team. Damn. I think they were the first team to be losing by 20 plus points and come back and win come by back 20. To win by 20 plus. Oh my god. But 20 to 20 plus points. Like That's only ridiculous. like only Patrick Mahomes will do that. <laughs> and somehow, you know, <coughs> I don't mean to like bag on Lamar Jackson, but like Patrick Mahomes didn't have 50 plus touchdowns this year like he did last year. The guy still threw for 26 touchdowns, over 4000 yards, and less than 10 interceptions this year. And he was hurt for some of the year. Battling injuries. Mahomes is still as good as he's ever been. Just as good as he's ever been. I don't disagree with you. He's still probably my favorite quarterback in the NFL. And they're the favorites to win as this much whole as, thing. As much as I, I continually say I love Lamar Jackson, I love Lamar Jackson, I love Lamar Jackson, I think Patrick Mahomes it, 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 you can't compete with Lamar. Uh, I would take Lamar. I would, I would take Patrick Mahomes on his worst day. And still feel confident that you'd win the game. By more than a touchdown. What do you think about that that uh, touchdown pass that he threw when like he was close to being over the the line of scrimmage? Remember that with his foot? I might have missed that one, but his foot was like just Was that a skimming. crucial point in the game? I think it was like their first touchdown pass. No. So it it was the start of everything. It was know. the first or second one. But anyway. Both quarterbacks played ridiculous. Deshaun Watson, 31 for 52, 388 yards. And Patrick Mahomes, 23 for 35, 321 yards. For five touchdowns, mind you. Again, I bet the under on that game, and the Chiefs covered the over by themselves. It was jaw-dropping watching that game. Stupid. Gorgeous. Stupid. And to the final divisional round... Game. This one hurts. Sunday night game at Lambeau Field. Russell Wilson was 0-3 at Lambeau Field in the playoffs. He continued that streak in 0-4. It breaks my damn heart. Green Bay defeats the Seahawks 28-23. This was a really good game you know what? through and through, though. The first thing that comes to mind, the Seahawks had a zero run game. Yeah. Zero run game. They uh, miss I mean, Penny. They miss Carson. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. Marshawn Lynch. Like, uh, they st- they actually had more run- uh, more rushing yards than Green Bay. Well, by one. Hell, like, when you have Aaron Rodgers, like. Yeah. Yeah. Again, the Packers have had their best running back probably since. Russell Wilson did. James Starks. Russell Wilson was the leading rusher. 64 yards. Marshawn Lynch, 26. See? Like. If they had Carson and Penny, I would have been a little more confident they yeah. would have came out came back in this game. I agree. But the Packers are the Packers, man. Like, and the fact that like their defense played like their defense played very well. Like the, the Zardarius Smith and the other Smith, like they're, they're freaking amazing. They're, I mean, and the the fact that the Packers actually spent money on in free agency on defense. It, now they're a game within the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. The first time since, like, 2016 they've been to the NFC Championship game. And you would have thought that Aaron Rodgers would have been in more Super Bowls than he has already. So, I mean, now they got a shot. But, 
you know, that call at the end, you know, Jimmy Graham, whether he was short of the marker or not, uh, the the whole crap with the with the referees. Oh, we found more evidence. So uh, like, uh, we found more video. What the hell does that mean? Yeah. What the hell I, does that, that mean? That made no sense to me. If but... I'm Seattle, I'm like, what? Like, uh, they lost twenty eight twenty three, right? Something like 28, that. Twenty eight twenty three. If I'm Seattle, I'm like. That's fourth down. I get the ball back. I yeah. get the chance. I get the chance to have Russell. Will- I mean, they had no timeout. But you put the ball in Russell you, Wilson's hands. From what you, know? you from what you saw, if you were a ref on that field, what would you have called? It's he's short. I agree. He's I, short. I said that. I said that the whole time. I was rooting and for he, the another interesting thing I mean, was they didn't even measure it. They didn't measure it on the field. No. Why? Why? It was where he was down. It was it's a freaking. Cl- but it's a freaking like Pete Carroll. Like I don't know if he didn't call for a measurement or not, but like. If he didn't, that's on him. But it's the freaking divisional playoff. And if you think it's yeah, that, but they, like if you they think it's spotted that, him. They spotted him ahead of the marker. They well, spotted well, they him had ahead the, of the marker. They didn't well, spot yeah, him but, where, like that inch that you saw him land. Yeah. They spotted him where he stopped. But at when that he time, split. though, the booth still reviewed it, though. Yeah, I. So you could still be able. You could still be able to measure the spot. So. You would think so. Yeah. Which. Uh, I thought he was down inches. It was like from that a half. It was like a half an inch. Yeah, and you could have made a stop there. You absolutely yeah. If, if Seattle gets the ball back, they got a shot. They got a shot to get in the end zone, win this thing. Uh, whether if they, they brought would've, it, if, I don't if know. It brought it, if they brought it to fourth down and Green Bay got the first down uh, off of that fourth and inches, then all right. Green then, Bay did a really good job containing DK Metcalf. Mm-hmm. He didn't get the ball enough, which was you know. All credit to Green Bay on their in their defense. Devontae Adams made Trey Flowers look silly. Like and Green Bay absolutely just turned him around three sixty, went to the end zone for a touchdown. Devontae Adams is a freaking stud. Green Bay's defense, like you were saying before, five sacks on Russell Wilson. Yeah. It was just it was a parade yeah. through the offensive line. Yeah, it was it was insane. I don't know. The, my one probably favorite moment of this game though was the Combined sack that, who was it? Shaquem Griffin and his brother. I can't yeah. remember his name. Um, Shaquille and Shaquem. Shaquille and Shaquem, correct. Both got, at the same time, on uh, Rodgers. Yeah. Which amounted to, I believe, the only sack. Yeah. And that was late in the game, too. Holy sack. I believe that was late in the game, and that was like, oh, Seattle's now got a chance. I mean, they were down 16 at one point. So, I mean, all credit to Seattle. They're going to be in They're gonna be in the mix next year, you know. Absolutely. They're going to definitely be in the mix. They, they just weren't healthy going into this year. They had questions around their running back situation. So, I mean, they're going to be healthier come next year. So, again. But, but. I'm very excited for the, this NFC Championship game. Green Bay, San Francisco. It's going to be a great Get game. Get freaking ready. It's going to be a great game. One Get and freaking two. ready. And you know what? The, even the Chiefs-Titans game, I am really curious to see what the Titans can bring bring into Arrowhead. Yeah. I'm really excited for this game. I'm really excited for both games. Then we get to find out who finally plays for the Super Bowl. And it's not Fantastic. going to be somebody that's been in it the last... Oh, I know. Three, it's four great. years. Fantastic. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's Shout out cool. to you, New England. Thanks for losing. Appreciate it. Thanks. No, no Atlanta, no Carolina, no uh, Eagles. Yeah. It's going to be a good one. I think the only one that I've seen in the Super Bowl 
that's out of these last four is Green Bay. Yeah. I've never seen the 49ers. I've never seen the Titans. And I've never seen the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. It's going to be a great year. Well, next year you're going to see a new team in the playoffs. Who's that? I don't know. So There's always new teams in the playoffs. I don't know. <laughs> Definitely not our team. I'll tell you that much. Because we don't have no pl- we don't have a playoff mandate. You know who else doesn't have a playoff mandate? The New York Knicks. I thought you were going to say the Cleveland Browns. They don't either. They don't know what they're doing. The New York Knicks don't have a playoff mandate either. And I'll go over all the scores and what and whatnot and stuff. Friday against the Suns, they lost one twenty to one twelve. Listen, all these games the Knicks have fought so hard, but like. Devin Booker and Ken and Oubre just combined for 67 points. When you have two players combined for 67 points, you're not winning a basketball game. That's just it's just not happening. Um, Sunday against the Clippers, look like very proud, as proud as I could be of this Knicks team. They fought tooth and nail, outscored the Clippers 45 to 29 in the first quarter. I thought I was seeing things. I was like, I know Kawhi Leonard didn't play, but like I'll take what I can get because I'm a freaking Knicks fan. They came out ready to play. Unfortunately, you know, Paul George, Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell decided to have a career day. Uh, they took over the game, put the Knicks away, despite 36 from Marcus Morris and 24 from R.J. Barrett. My guy. My guy. Takeaways from this game, I'm just proud as hell of the Knicks. You know, they're still playing. You know, they have 11 wins. They're not making the playoffs. They're not going anywhere. They're looking for another top three draft pick. But still proud as hell. Proud as hell for them. Tuesday against the Lakers, it's the Lakers. Lost 117-87. to 87. I mean, I'm proud of the way, you know, Randall played well. He had 15 points, 10 rebounds, a double-double for him. RJ had a very good game as well. Back-to-back good games for him. Uh, he had 19. Uh, the Knicks were just not in the same league as the LA Lakers. Obviously the best record in the NBA. Um... Anthony Davis was injured. He injured his back in this game, but, you know, still very effective. LeBron went off for 31 points. Shocker. What else happens here? Um, You know, when the Lakers shoot 50% from the field and your team shoots 38% from the field, simple math. Simple math, ladies and gentlemen. And then, you know, Wednesday against Utah, lost 128-104. Not a shock there. Utah is still a great team. Friday against the Pelicans, lost 123-111. Uh, don't have much to say about this game, but, like, who whose idea was it to put the Knicks and the Pelicans on ESPN? Two teams that don't even have 20 wins. Whose idea was that? Just asking. Nope. Just, just asking. I didn't do it. Again, the Knicks shooting 50, 46% from the field, you know, the Pelicans are just as bad, but hello, they have Brandon Ingram, they have my guy Lonzo Ball, who fixed his jump shot, and he's fantastic now. Just saying. Lonzo Ball has fixed his jump shot, and you know what, it's going to look good because LaMelo is going to be drafted by the Knicks, and we're going to get our own ball, brother. So it's great. We're ready to go. We are ready to go. And the then, And then, yesterday, against... A top three seed in the Eastern Conference in the Miami Heat. The Knicks pull out a 124-121 to win. How do we do that? How? What? You know what this is? What? You know what this is? What? It's the rope. What is this? The rope. They're pulling me in. Yeah. They're pulling me in. They are. 
I know they just like <laughs> they are. I know they you just know had they a five game losing streak and now they beat the Heat. I mean, <laughs> Jimmy Butler went off for twenty five points. RJ was great. RJ had twenty three points. Julius Randle, who I crap on all the time, had twenty six points. What is, did like, they sit the starters? The Knicks need to decide what they're doing. Did they sit the starters? No, everybody played. Oh. Everybody played on the Heat. I don't know. Did they just run into him? No, oh, dear. Blatant P.I. So, the Knicks snap a five-game losing streak. They're currently on a one-game winning streak. I'll take what I can get. I'll call it a winning streak. I don't care. They go to Milwaukee. Oh, boy. Winning streak over. <laughs> Phoenix. Philly. And Cleveland coming up. Uh, Storylines concerning the Knicks. Both Los Angeles teams interested in Marcus Morris. Obviously, Marcus Morris, you know, probably the best player on the team. But he's not part of the long-term future for the Knicks. So, if anything, the Knicks can get back. You know, they've been wanting to get quality starters, which I'll get to in my rant in a minute. But they want quality. No, it wasn't. They want quality starters for the future. Okay, I get it. You know, you want cheap guys on expiring contracts, whatever, that are young, whatever, doesn't matter. Um, Marcus Morris is not a part of the long-term future of the Knicks, so if you're going to deal him, get some picks, I guess, whatever. Here's where I really, really start to get annoyed with the Knicks. They're interested in trading for starters. That will be a part of their future, you know. Not they're not all in on being sellers at the deadline. Okay, I get that. I mean, again, the Knicks are delusional as ever, and they still believe that they can maybe make a playoff run. But I mean, uh, this is why you know we have clowns running the team. They called the Detroit Pistons about Andre Drummond, who averages seventeen points a game. And is 26 years old. Okay. Uh, why? Why? Um, here's, here's my question. Why would you do that when you have one of the better up-and-coming stars in this league in Mitchell Robinson? You stun his development that way. Do you not? I would. Do you, I mean, do you not? Like, the fact that Taj Gibson's already starting over him, which dude. is a freaking abomination, let me tell you. It, Andre Drummond? Like, why? No, thank you. And for that, I will say, and I'm surprised this is what pushed me over the edge. I didn't like Steve Mills to begin with. He's overstayed his welcome. Scott Perry, you can leave too. I stuck my neck out for you for a little bit. I thought you were okay. I thought maybe, you know... The Knicks fire Steve Mills, they get the Jim Dolan's puppet out of the way and have Scott Perry do... You can leave, too. You can get out. You're, get out. Get Just done. Get out. Get out. Here's another thing. Our prized first-round pick from last year, Kevin Knox, is freaking terrible. Okay? Since December 21st against the Milwaukee Bucks... Okay, that's a long time ago. He has scored in double figures one time. One time. Okay. 19 points against the Bucks. From there, 8, 4, 
six, five, three, two, two, six, and five. That sounds like times tables. <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? Can we give Alonzo Trier a shot, please? Like, I was so proud of Kevin Knox, how he was playing in the beginning of the year. And now I see this. There's a re and, and then the minutes I don't understand either. 24, 27, 14, 19, 17, 13, 6, 19, 29, 16. Why? And this is the, like, Mike Miller's done a great job. Like, he's done a great job for what he's got. You know, fine, whatever. Why is Taj Gibson still starting? You obviously don't listen to the show, Mike Miller. Which, you should. Because, why, take the training wheels, take the diaper off of Mitchell Robinson, please. Please. I say this all the time. This season about development. It's about developing players. You cannot develop Mitchell Robinson by having him sit on the bench and then calling other calling the Pistons about Andre Drummond. You just cannot do that. He's never going to develop. You can't do that. And he's already good as it is. No. Mitchell Robinson? If you're not gonna play no. him. Well uh, I'm not yes. saying I'm not saying it's the right thing to do but, for the net for the like but it's astonishing. Really astonishing. Before I get to the Nets, I'm actually gonna stick up for Frank Nilakina. Alfred Payton's playing okay, but strictly for developmental purposes, Frank Nilakina should be starting. Cause he's actually like gaining an offensive momentum, which is something I thought I'd never say about Frank Nilakina. And just on a slight side note, for any of you Knicks fans out there, like myself, that think the Knicks are going to clean house, Perry Mills are going to be gone, and that Masai Ujiri, the savior of the Toronto Raptors, who built the Raptors to who they are now, and traded for Kawhi Leonard, to even think that he just might come to the Knicks... Get it out of your head right now. Again, the Knicks would have to overpay for a guy like that, which, you know, but, which, I mean, you never know. But Masai Ujiri, the bottom line is, the Knicks are still not cool, as Kevin Durant said. Masai Ujiri is not coming here. I will be utterly shocked, and I will do an instant reaction to saying how wrong I am if Masai Ujiri ends up coming to the Knicks. Okay, your beloved Brooklyn Nets. Mm-hmm. Not great. I haven't been watching. I know, and you know it's probably okay. Right. It's it's probably okay. The right thing to do. Saturday against the Raptors, they lost. They lost by twenty. Karis LeVert returns. That's good. And LSU just scored a touchdown, so they are up by ten. This is good. Karis LeVert put up thirteen points in his return. Twenty-four turnovers to the Raptors seven. Not good. Not good. Lowry, Fred Van Fleet, Ibaka, all with 20-plus points. This defense has just been their major weakness all season long. And it's just, you know... Honestly, I know they're on, like, a two-game winning streak. They've won back-to-back games up to this point. But this defense is just atrocious. It's not good. Monday against the Magic, they lose 101-89. to 
again, a team they could have beaten. Even without Kyrie, they did sit Karis LeVert because of injury precautions. Okay. They were down 52-39 to at halftime against the Magic. In that game, lacking in, you know, they lacked intensity all around. And this horrible shooting drought that they're on is freaking phenomenal. I'm talking like I'm Scott right now because I have to. I have to. Tuesday against Oklahoma City, this got even better. At home in Brooklyn, they lose 111 to 103 in overtime. Now, I didn't really, like, I haven't been watching OKC. But, like, they don't have Russ. They don't have KD anymore. How good could they possibly be? Chris Paul, of all people. Chris Paul went off for 28 points. And this guy, Gildrius Alexander, went for 22 points. Steven Adams had a double-double. Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, your man, Spencer Dinwiddie. Mm -hmm. Six for 21 from the field. Oh, for six from three-point range. Yeah. I'll give it to him, though. Other guys stepped up, like like Allen, Torian Prince, who had 21 points. Jared Allen had 12 points and seven rebounds. You know, Karis LeVert did his thing. He had 20 points as well. But they were outscored in all four quarters in that game against OKC. And only, here's the thing, here's the weirdest thing. They scored two points in overtime. Two. 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 I don't understand that. I don't get that. 40% from the field. I mean, that's not horrible. But again, this Nets team continues to get in foul trouble as well. 25 personal fouls. And to be honest with you, when you look at the stat sheet here, most of them are on Jared Allen. Spencer Dinwiddie had five fouls. Rodion's Kurutz had four fouls. Not great. But then, it happened. The Nets were on a seven-game losing streak. And the Miami Heat came down. <laughs> out of, like, out of everything. Well, I, don't, I don't get it. I do not understand are they it. Like, are they falling? I don't, I don't understand it. They had a lead in the first quarter. They didn't get it back until Karis LeVert hits this beautiful step-back three-pointer in the fourth to give them a one-point lead. It was like 112 to 111 at that point. But again... The Heat were shooting 52% from the field, but the Nets suddenly were like, all right, we're going to start making, you know, three-pointers now. They're, They're going to start making three-pointers now. They shoot 34% you know from three-point range. You know that meme where the guy's playing video games and he's, like, leaning yep. back and he's playing? Yep. And then all of a sudden, game on. Yep. He's leaning All right, going to start trying like now. Patrick Mahomes one they did. Yep. <laughs> Just like that. Yep. But, the, you know, this game was, you know, that game was pretty evenly matched. It was an exciting game to watch. Um, and then Sunday against the Hawks. They win 108-86. to Absolutely blow the doors off in Kyrie Irving's comeback. He had 21, 21-4-3. Granted, the Hawks only have eight wins. But. It's true. That's true. But I like to give the Hawks some kind of credit because, like, they, they're, only you know, one be- they're only one win behind uh, Golden State, though. So. That's right. That's right. Golden State. That's right. You know, they have the Hawks have good players. They, they got a good future. They got Cam Reddish. They got uh, Daniil Hunter. It's easy to say when you're not that fan, as a fan of that. Team. I know. I, mean, I know. Looking, you know what I mean. Yeah. Trey Young did not play. Did not. Did not see that. But the return of uh, old reliable, the ageless wonder Vince Carter to Brooklyn, who said, you know, his number should be retired in the rafters. I absolutely agree. Um, 
But the Nets, you know, again, getting out of the shooting slump, they they shot 53% from the field. Astonishing. Even though they turned the ball over 24 times. I don't know. So they broke this seven game. Oh, boy. They broke this. <laughs> good catch, right? That was a fantastic catch. They broke a seven-game losing streak. Now they're on a two-game. Now they've won back-to-back -back games. This is fantastic. And then they uh, go to the Jazz, or they they have the Jazz. But Kyrie is Kyrie is back, so this is going to give them a little bit of a jolt. Yeah. For a minute. Hopeful, for a minute. Hopefully, for a minute. I mean, they're. I think they're. I mean, is he? Will he be back long term? They're pretty much full. Is... They're pretty much fully healthy. They got Kyrie back and Karis Levert, so I think you know they're going to start winning some more basketball games here down the stretch, but. The things that continue to, when I watch this Nets team, as a Knicks fan, but, uh, you know, have to watch them because we cover them. Their shooting and their defense has just been inconsistent. These past two games, they've been shooting plus 40% from the field, plus 34% from the from three-point range. It's great. That's what you need to see from a good shooting team. But the fact with the Nets is, especially during this seven-game losing streak, they continue to chuck up three-pointers and brick them. Every single time. Whatever happened to the mid-range jumper in the NBA? Carmelo kept it. That's it. That, that's, uh, that's it. <laughs> Even more of a reason he's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> Even more of a reason. The mid-range jumper can be such a weapon in the NBA, nobody uses it. Nobody. Like, I know, like, the percentages and whatnot, the analytics and all that crap, but, you know, if you got the room... And you're, you know, and it's the middle of the game. Go up and take an easier shot. Isn't that the point? You want the easiest shot possible? Isn't that the point? The fact that, like, we're such, like, a three... You know, sometimes I wish we'd get rid of the three-point line. I really do. I really wish we'd go back to, like, the, the 70s. Because, you know, the Knicks were winning titles in the 70s. So I kind of wish we were going back to that, too. But, you know, I kind of wish the days before the three-point line... I kind of wish that sometimes. I really do. I don't know why. But... Would you make take, our own league? But Nets... Take mid-range jump shots, please. It's not it, it's not cancer. It's not a horrible thing. Just do it. It's fine. It's not a sickness. Just take a mid-range jump shot, please. Please. I'm asking you. I don't know. But Kyrie's back, so everything's fine. Everything's great. We'll see. Everything's great. And you weren't watching this Nets team, why? Because I was watching a lot of football and college football. Mm. That is actually the reason. I was watching more Nets than you. You were. I don't know. I don't know about that. You're bigger into basketball than I. Am. You got any? Uh, you got any hockey before we break? Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about quickly. Okay. We can cover the Rangers Islanders game that was that was tonight. Rangers ended up winning that one six to two. Are the Islanders falling off a bit? Do you think? Don't ask me I mean, that. I mean, you you are you were so high on the Islanders. I still am. In this season. Good teams get into ruts. They've dropped. I mean, they were, what, the number one, number two seed? Two. I mean, they're still number five in the league. Wild card position is a little scary for them because they're at the third in the Metropolitan. Knocking on the door is Carolina and Philadelphia for that for that third spot. They'll still land in a, in a wild card position. Mm. But the Rangers are, what did I say, six games? Four games. Uh, four out. games out of playoff position right now. I mean, uh, listen. All great teams get into a rut. Absolutely. I'm not even an Islanders fan, and they're a great team. They're a very good team, but they'll figure it out. 
I'm still confident. I'm not holding it. I'm not, I'm not changing my take. They're still going to be one of the top three teams in the Eastern Conference going into the playoffs. I'm not going to change that. They're a good team. They're going to go on another good winning streak before the season ends and go into the playoffs on a strong note. They're slumping right now, but again, every good team slumps sometimes. Big thing out of the Metropolitan Division also, Philadelphia just uh, beat Boston in a shootout because Brad Marchant whiffed on the shootout attempt. Love to see that. Losing the game for guy. Boston. Hate that guy. Compl- and I'm, I'm talking he whiffed at center ice. <laughs> like he forgot the puck at center ice. Is there ice. a video of that? There is a video of oh it. You can see that goodness. on Blue Trail Report. I'll show you right after that. Oh this. my goodness. Hilarious. Oh. And they lose. Six to five. Wow. Um, Boston sports. Yeah. Making a nosedive. I mean, Boston still is uh, number two in the league. With 66 points, 27 wins, 8 losses. Washington is still on top. That's fine. Nobody. Um, And the biggest news coming out of the Devils, I know you want to talk about this a little bit. Uh, GM Ray Shiro is gone. Clearing house. John Hines was gone, what, a month ago? And now he's hired by the Predators, and now they're doing okay. Yep. Oh, my God. And now uh, Ray Shiro is. You know what? Ouch. From what I heard, from my reliable score source, that's our friend Scott, who filled me in on what happened. Um, apparently, they just them uh, Ray Shiro and ownership just could not agree. Mm. Apparently, he wanted to shop Sammy Vatanen. Bad idea. Don't want to do that. He wanted to shop Kyle Palmieri. You know what? I'm kind of okay with that. Just see what you can get. I'm kind of okay with that. I know he's our all star this year, but yeah, he's it's fine. Yeah, like I'm okay with that. Uh, the Sammy Vatanen thing, don't really agree with. Um, also, there was something about, you know, the decision to call up Corey Schneider back up to the main roster. At this point, it really doesn't matter who plays goaltender. A piece of meat could be in the in the net. really won't matter, got to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I really think... I don't know. I think the whole disagreement thing is also based on some of his latest actions. I mean... Trading for PK Subban or free uh, or signing him, whatever. That, that was, was another thing. The money that PK you know brought uh, from being yeah. from Nashville. That was another thing that was discussed apparently. And then the whole trading know. of Taylor Hall. I know he was going to need to be contract, but now you see everything that he's doing out in Arizona. You know what? I mean, it's, I, I'm just what? saying, it, like from an outsider's standpoint, it just it, it's disheartening, and I, I, put, I feel like he's not. Right now, he's in a position that he's making a lot of flaws. Yeah. I put a lot of trust in Ray Shiro. I was, I was, ne- there was very rare times I was like, "What the hell are you doing?" Because the guy knows what he's doing most of the time. Like I've never really had a complaint. I didn't even complain when he traded Taylor Hall because the Devils are not going anywhere in the next three, three to five years. They're not. It, you know. They're not winning Stanley Cups. They, they might get a playoff spot in the next three or five years. Who knows? I don't know. But, uh, again, it seems that all of my teams have something in common, and it's that they're all young and need to be developed. Story of my life. This is the same thing with the Devils. A young core, you know, guys are 18, 19, 20 years old. They barely have hair on their face. Like, sometimes you just got to change it up, and you know what? They're gonna find a right. They're gonna find a head coach. I'm still on the Mike Babcock train, but I also would like uh, the guy that just got fired from Nashville. Uh, what's his name? Peter Lavi. Is it Lavillette? Lavillette. I wouldn't mind him either. I mean, 
I'm going to go into this Devils offseason optimistic, I guess. I mean, you know, this season's just been over for a couple months. You know, they're six games out of a wild card spot. They're not going. They're not making it. It's fine if they don't. Get a higher draft pick. Get a new GM in here that, you know, is going to bring some exciting light to this team. And just start rebuilding this thing the right way. I think Ray Shiro was, you know, had, you know, he directed it the right way. I mean, yeah, he was looking at the long term, and it's just been too long. See, I kind of see. I I, think, I agree with that. People. I agree with that, and disagree with that at the same time, because he made the deal for Taylor Hall. You know, Corey Snyder was still the goaltender, holding on to guys like Travis Ajak and Kyle Palmieri, older guys, getting a Brian Boyle. I think Ray Shiro, when it was all said and done, was kind of confused on what to do whether the Devils can win now or build for the future. He kind of wanted to do both try, at the same yeah, time, yeah. and I and that never works. Very except rarely for, works. Except for in the Rangers' case, where they're not in a playoff position yet, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying it just because I'm a Rangers fan, but they're, they, well, are sure. in a, they are in a rebuilding phase, but they're doing it in such a way that they're keeping key players and getting rid of the guys that are kind of like accents to those key players. What you need to do, like... And developing those guys into key players. The Devils need to... The thing that pissed me, that makes me mad about them, is that they have so many prospects in their system, and you never see them. Never. Because we're holding out for guys like Travis Zajac. I love Travis Zajac. He's an all-time devil in my mind. Whether his number will be retired in the Raptors, probably not, but... He's been a devil. He's been here since 2003. It's time to move on from Travis Ajak. He adds absolutely nothing to this team. Nothing. Nothing. Not a damn thing. He's great. Thank you for playing for so many years. It's time to move on from Travis Ajak. Same thing with Kyle Palmieri. I mean, he's still talented. He still can play. But, like, what are we waiting for? And Andy Green, too. Like, we're holding on to all these old pieces. For what? For what? Andy Green's our captain. All right. I mean, you name a trade captains all the time. Yeah. I mean, whether Andy Green has any trade value, I don't know. But again, I understand you want a veteran presence in the locker room, but it's time to build a new culture now. It's time to like the fact that Andy Green and Travis Ajax still played on that 2012 Stanley Cup team. I'm sorry, that whole team should be wiped out by now. Like yeah. we should have no remnants of that Absolutely, team anymore. Absolutely, I 100 percent agree. We should have no remnants of that team anymore. So, move on. on. Tapes of that too. Move on for these. No, <laughs> move on from all these guys that have been here, done that, and figure the frig out what they're doing for the goaltender situation. Mackenzie Blackwood has shown some things. Louis Domingue is yeah okay. I don't think we have a goaltender of the future right now, as far as it stands. But that is the life. That is what you get when you have a tremendous. Tremendous goaltender for 20-plus years, and you get spoiled, and well, it happens. Not to the Rangers. They have three more in the works. Yeah, two well. more in the works. That's what you should do. You should you should inquire about maybe taking um, Georgia. I would love him. I would take him in a minute. Uh, they're not, I know they're not getting rid of You're pushing them to the side already for Sturkin. I mean, proved. I don't know. I mean, he's played three games, two, two and one in the three games. He made forty six saves in the one game. 
thirty something in the other one. I mean, that's not bad. Six goals in the first two games. And the first game alarm was you. the first game against Colorado, and Colorado's a great team this yeah. year. Yeah. I don't know. Hockey in this town is Islanders are good. The Rangers are on the rise. The Devils have no idea what they're doing. That's and, and if you want to count the Buffalo Sabres, I don't think they know what they're doing either. So that's that. All right, we will break. Uh, when we come back, I actually want to talk about this this thing where everyone thinks that Tom Brady is not coming back to New England. I really just like are we are we kidding? Like, I'll get to that. Um, that's really all. I, that's really all I got. And uh, we do have the book. I've, I've had the book. Yeah. I, I just found He's it. He's had the book. He hasn't. He thought he forgot the book. Thought I forgot the book. the book. We have the book. So Joe will be reading on this day in sports history. It is back. We are back. You're listening to Tri-State Sports Beat. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Tri-State Sports Beat, everybody. Joe, let's talk about this before we end. This whole Tom Brady situation. This whole Tom Brady Patriots Bill Belichick situation. What do you think? What do you think about the whole like story in general? What do you think is really gonna happen? Um, I mean, well, obviously everybody knows that they haven't given him extension. They haven't given him a contract. He's a free agent for the first time in his career. Yeah, I think he's going to explore his options. I think he he might want to find out for himself if he can win without Bill Belichick. I I'm not counting it out that he goes somewhere else. And there's viable spots for him to go. LA, Chargers. That's the only realistic one I can think I wouldn't of. even 100% count out Las Vegas. No. Raiders. No, I wouldn't either. Here's my thing. I think Bill Belichick has wanted to move on from Tom Brady for at least three years now. Okay? But... Robert Kraft loves Tom Brady so much that he just doesn't want to get rid of him. So, just real quick. I think Tom Brady's coming back next year. I will not say anything different until it actually happens because I've been burned like this too many times before. Tom Brady's coming back on maybe like a two-year contract. He'll finish his career with the Patriots. They'll get to one more Super Bowl. Whether they win one, that's up to you to decide. And Belichick will continue to be the coach. Brady will retire. Maybe we'll get that for a couple years and whatnot. And then the future is unclear. But I think at at the end, Brady comes back for like a two-year little mini run. See what they can do. But Belichick, I think, has been ready to move on from Tom Brady for at least three years now. Like the whole Garoppolo thing was just weird. You know, with how fast, like, you know, Belichick, you know, Belichick wanted to start him, wanted to start Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, you could just tell, he didn't say it, but Kraft was like, no, Tom Brady's our guy, blah, blah, blah. I mean, he has every right to say that, absolutely. Yeah. But. Not like he was bad. No, 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 no. I mean, not still, that he was bad at all, but. He still could play at 43. Yeah. So. But the, t- the clock is ticking on Tom Brady, I'll, I'll say that much, but the guy's still got two, three good years left, honestly. I mean, the Patriots had a down year this year. If a down year is 13 wins, huh? Eesh. Spoiled. There you go. And you know what's funny, too, I want to mention? Bill Belichick's 
press conference at the end of the Titan game, the end of the wild card game, he was asked something about like what's the message to the fans? They stick with you through thick and thin. And he I respect Bill Belichick as a coach, but like watching his press conferences sometimes, he is such a funny guy because he said, I don't really think I don't really I'll paraphrase here. I don't really think I don't really think things have been that thin around here. Mm-hmm. Meaning that yeah. Patriots fans have had nothing to complain They're about. Spoiled, spoiled as hell. Spoiled. Uh, they've had nothing to complain about. There's no thin. There's only thick, thicker, and thickest. The three C's. Right. <laughs> so, I thought that was funny. Thick and thin. Yeah. Okay. You want to talk about thin? We won't talk about thin. Because Adam Gase is thin. Look at all the, <laughs> all the rest of the AFC East teams. Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, yeah, no, I I mean, the other the other thing is Tom Brady has never had, like, a large contract. He's never been – he's he's – He's never, the the highest, best, he's never been the He's never been the highest paid player at his position. If not the best quarterback in the league for however long that he's been in the league, twenty years, then why not pay him like that? He might just want a nice salary for a year or two. He might just want and that. Might be why he leaves. Know, some maybe give him a signing bonus or something. I mean, the the guy's only won you six Super Bowls and yeah, almost had you. Going on the season, that, you like, see that with the Patriots. Every only the year. greatest pay, of all time. They get players on the cheap because they know they're going to win with the Patriots. Yeah. I mean, believe me, it's a long-suffering Jet fan. I got the scars to prove it. I want Tom Brady and Bill Belichick out as soon as possible. Like uh, this is the only this is the thing I've been dreaming of for ten years. It's just not and gonna I happen. Think, I think you're kind of just saying it just so that it's reverse psychology yeah. on on. The universe right now. I think mm. that's why you're trying to say this, but pretty much, I I truly think that he does leave. I no, I don't. I don't I think, think he gets leaves. a one two year contract somewhere else. Make peace with what he does in that year mm. or two, and, and call it quits, Tommy. He said he did say he wants to play till 45. At 45, and he's also stated many times over and over that there's a lot of things that he's missed out on already mm. with his his family and kids and. He doesn't. I. I would. I side with him on this. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to miss out on that much either. Yeah. So. Hey, Tom. Go, if you want to retire now, kids football play. Uh, football teams. team. If you want to retire now, I mean. More power to you, buddy. More power to you. I really think he wants the chance at number seven, though. He wants yeah. the. He wants that record uh, of uh, most Super Bowls, but. We'll see what happens. I. I will not believe a damn thing until it actually happens. So as far as I'm concerned, the Patriots are still going to win the AFC East the next at least two or three years. They're going to compete for a playoff spot. They're going to compete for a conference championship spot. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with for still the next three years. Okay, that is all. And now it's time for something we haven't done in quite a couple weeks. been slacking on this. Or I just found that somebody, that I still had the book. Somebody forgot that That's they right. had the book. You know it. You love it. It is time for On This Day in Sports History. Today's trivia. On January 13th, 1999, Michael Jordan retired from basketball right. for the second time. Right. 
With what NBA franchise would Jordan become part owner and president of basketball operations the following year? That would be the Washington Wizards. Yes, sir, it is. Starting off 2020 with a win. Birthdays. Oh, boy. Here we go. Here we go. There's a few tough ones. He didn't read these ones over. No, it didn't. Tom Gola. Bob Baffert. Mark O'Meara. Kelly Harundi. <laughs> Kevin Mitchell. Nikolai Habibulin. <laughs> he gets that one because he plays hockey. Player, Doug oh. Martin. And the great one, Connor McDavid. Oh. <laughs> huh? The new great one. Oh, uh, all right, now we're finally on to on this day. Mm-hmm. In 1982, Henry Aaron and Frank Robinson were elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. The Sluggers tallied combined 1,341 career home runs and 4,109 RBIs. That's right. Two of the best to ever do it. Honestly, two of the best to ever do it. Frank, um, Hank Aaron, of course, he's the you know home run leader and all that good stuff. Was the home run leader before all the steroids and stuff. But you know, two of the best of all time. They are fantastic. All right, Joe, you did a good job. Did a good job was, on I birthdays. Think, yeah. I think my stutter went away with did a value twenty nineteen. Wow, even years is a good reading oh, year for me. Wow, maybe. <laughs> Maybe it's time for a minor in communication, Joe. <laughs> you know, with my intellect. Oh, dear. I don't know about that. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening. This has been episode number 102 of the Tri-State Sports Beat. Going back to our old roots, just Joe and I. Scott will be back probably next week. He's feeling a little under the weather. so well, Next week we'll be at school. Yeah, we'll be back at the uh, good old East Stroudsburg University. So this is why the audio sounds so good, because... We're not in the thin we're in walls this acoustic of acoustic room. Yeah, we're not in the thin walls of the University Ridge at East Strasburg. So uh, enjoy the quality content while you got it, because next week uh, we're back to echo the college life. We're back to the college life. It's gonna be fun. I'm excited to go back. Um, follow us on all our social media: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Joe's gonna not slack on the edits anymore, and you know. It's been rough. All yeah, right? it's been rough. Yeah, it's been rough. Yeah, it's been rough. Yeah, sure. Okay. Joe's got a job. I got a job. I got a job. Sorry, I got responsibilities, people. I got a girlfriend. Follow us on all our social media. Joe, you're a great guy. Thanks. You're a great guy. You're a great guy. What am I going to do with you? What are your next edit? What are you working on now? You're working Uh, on the Rangers one? Yeah, I'm working on the Rangers goaltending one. Good. Good. Mike Richter? Mike Richter? No. Oh, all right. It's a little throwback Thursday. I'm going to call it the uh, goaltender roulette. Oh, I see. All right. So that's that's what you have to look forward to. Upcoming on, uh, upcoming on our Instagram. Also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and all that good stuff. Thank you guys so much for listening. We're done rambling because i got to go to bed and Joe's got to go to work. So that is all. In the morning. Yeah, in the morning. Early in the morning. Early in the morning. That is it for us. Stay tuned for everything coming out soon. We'll have instant reactions. Our buddy Louie Two Steps will be putting out segments on Instagram and Facebook, so look forward to that. And that is all. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you guys next time.